Good evening. Let's have our Bibles ready. Open to the book of Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. It is impressive and holds your attention. When you open the Bible and you're able to read narratives of people speaking to God. Believers telling God their concerns, expressing their praise, asking for their petitions in, in all that they think and do, placing their trust in God. It is a delight. It is instructive. It is a good example for us. Acts chapter 4, verses 23 through 31. When they were released... They went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His anointed. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. It is important for us to notice first what this situation was for Peter and John. They'd been seized by the authorities, by the Sanhedrin Council, the powerful legal arm of Judaism. Now, why would the governing authorities seize Peter and John who were not guilty of any crime? They were preaching the gospel. They were telling people about Jesus Christ. They were speaking clearly about the lost condition of people and they were communicating how people can get out of that lost condition. And they were conveying the promises of God based on the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. They were treating the disciples of Christ the same way they treated Christ. The leaders in Jerusalem didn't want to give any advantage or opportunity to gospel preachers. They wanted to shut down the preaching of the gospel. They were preaching a message that, if accepted, would dismantle their religious empire, and their power. So Peter and John were seized by the governing authorities 
and then later released. Now, what do you do upon being released? Peter and John rejoined the other Christians, and they prayed, as we have read on this page in Acts chapter 4. Now, just here, before we go any further, there's something really powerful to get hold of. Let's think about it. If we had suffered some injustice from some systematic governing authorities, if we had been punished, though innocent, when we are threatened because of speaking the truth, the common response might be to feel terribly violated, to express your indignation and to complain on and on and to be depressed and maybe even to feel like God has left you vulnerable and maybe even to back away from the preaching that the authorities were responding to. These Christians in Jerusalem face one of their major systematic threats of hostility. This is a foretaste of what is head, first from the Jewish authorities and then the Roman authorities. Governing authorities attempting to shut down the Lord's work. They're released, but they know the threat remains from the authorities. What do they do? Luke gives us no account of complaining or depression or abandoning the work of the Lord. There's no evidence they turned against each other or gave in to fear. There was no resentment against God. They prayed. Now, remember, they are not experienced veteran Christians. Nobody is at this point. They were the first generation Christians in Jerusalem. So it wasn't that they had years and years to come to conviction about the power of prayer. Their faith had such solid foundation, their hearts contained such joy and fidelity to Christ, their first response was to pray. And that's amazing. It is impressive. And it is certainly an example for us to follow, should we ever be in a situation where the governing authorities are attempting to shut the Lord's work down that we're doing. These people lifted their voices together to God. Think of all the typical carnal, impulsive responses when under stress or attack from the government. These new Christians, when released, went to their brethren and they had a prayer meeting. Let's look into their words and see what else we discover. They begin like many of the prayers of the Bible begin, with acknowledgement of who they're praying to. Sovereign Lord, they said, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. When we study the prayers of the Bible, here is something we find over and over again that is valuable and instructive for us. Acknowledgement of who is being spoken to in prayer. The sovereignty and the power of our Creator. This sounds like many other prayers in the Bible, not because of routine or ritualistic imitation, but because of the common knowledge of the significance of this kind of acknowledgement to who 
you are praying to. One example from the Old Testament that is almost identical to this in Acts 4. I'm talking about the petition Hezekiah uttered when the Assyrian army surrounded Jerusalem. Listen to some of this. This is Isaiah 37, 16 to 20. O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God. You alone of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see, and hear all the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste all the nations and their lands, and have cast their gods into the fire. For they were no gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they were destroyed. So now, O Lord our God, save us from his hand and all the kingdoms of the earth, that they may know you alone are the Lord. This is typical of prayers you discover all through Scripture. When you listen to people pray by reading Scripture, this occurs all the time. I mentioned this morning, this is something I was taught when I was a boy. I first learned how to pray, listening to my father pray. And he would begin his prayers acknowledging who he was praying to, who we were praying to. To acknowledge Almighty God. To speak to Him and to speak of Him with the deepest reverence one can express in words, and to be certain that that reverence captured in words fills the heart of the prayer. And I don't mean pull a dictionary off the shelf and aim to be eloquent. That's not it. But in your language of heart and within your vocabulary, be certain that you acknowledge the greatness of God. Jesus gives an example in Matthew 7. Hallowed be thy name. And he was repeating what was characteristic of prayers all the way back into the age of the patriarchs. These Christians in Jerusalem in Acts 4, the earliest Christians, knew very well that in their prayers it was both natural and essential to acknowledge the greatness of God. Let us never slip away from that. Let's always remember how great God is and how that greatness needs expression from our hearts and through our lips. Next, these Christians, as they had this prayer meeting in Acts 4, spoke of what the Holy Spirit had revealed through David. It says, Who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His anointed. This tells us they were not surprised 
about the systematic persecution from the rulers. But also it tells us they were not in despair over it because they had read Scripture, they knew what David said, and they knew God would win. They had read this in Scripture. They had heard this said, orally transmitted to them through generations, and they believed it. This that they quoted was from Psalms chapter 2. And it means even if world rulers try to stop God's plan, they cannot succeed. If world rulers cannot succeed, if empires cannot succeed, the local authorities in Jerusalem, these Christians inferred, would not succeed. And later, as the Roman government came in as the primary persecutor, in the latter part of the first century, these Christians knew they wouldn't succeed. They knew this because of Scripture. From that high source, they knew the opposition would come to ultimate defeat. Remember, this was a threat from the governing authorities among the Jews. Later, it would come from the Romans. These Christians knew it wouldn't work. And notice they connected the prophecy with their experience as the fulfillment. They cite the prophecy in verses 25 and 26, and then in verse 27, for truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. They knew of God's control. They knew that Psalms 2 was being fulfilled before their very eyes. They connected all the dots. We marveled a few minutes ago at their impressive response of faith to the threat from the governing authorities. Now we discover their faith did not just come out of a vacuum. They not only read prophecy, they were looking for fulfillment. Believing God was right in everything that he had revealed by the Holy Spirit through David. What does that tell us? That our praying is valuable when associated with a knowledge of God's word and firm confidence in his promises. I should like to repeat that. That our praying is valuable when associated with a knowledge of God's word and our firm confidence in His promises. See, the object in prayer is not just to put words together that sound poetic and eloquent and are well spoken. Behind the words we pray, there needs to be knowledge we have acquired from the Word, confidence in the promises of God, confidence in His integrity. This in Acts 4 is an example for us. Sometimes we talk about examples from Scripture. This is an example for us of how our praying must be informed by our reading. Our praying must be informed by our reading. The more I read God's Word, the more I absorb His written will, the better am I prepared to speak to Him. Something else.
I'm impressed here that these disciples did not focus on protection for themselves just for their sakes, their own skin. Their interest of heart was that the gospel would be preached. They didn't say, Lord, keep us from pain and death. We don't want to suffer. We don't want to go through anything. Their primary focus, their priority was that the gospel be preached to the lost. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. This was much higher than self-concern. What they wanted was the courage to testify of Christ and the divine attestation to accompany their testimony against the threats of the governing authorities. Do you know that in the Old Testament there are recorded prayers for vindication, especially in Psalms? In Psalms 109, the call was to punish the enemies, very similar to 2 Chronicles 24. These saints are praying for faithfulness and boldness so they can preach the word. One more thing, observe how God responded to their prayer. Verses 31 down to verse 33. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. While it is understood that God worked in various special ways in those early days of the church, there is the constant that God responds to the prayers of his people. He may not respond the same way every time. His responses may not be immediate. But we are assured by this example and many others that God hears His people and He responds according to His superior wisdom. I spoke to you this morning about one's individual devotion to the Lord in family prayer. And I was making the point, without that personal devotion time, we cannot expect good results and our joy and hope is going to be greatly diminished over time. Now tonight we're observing this example of a group of Christians in a more collective setting asking God to help them face this threat from the governing authorities and give them the ongoing capacity to do His work to preach the gospel. I'm going to take us to James 5 and give you time to refer to that. James 5, 16 and 17 in just a moment. I'll tell you, God is listening to us. And when we pray in these assemblies, He's ready to respond. 
and has responded in the past, perhaps in ways we did not immediately see or recognize. This familiar passage reminds us, Therefore, James 5.16, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. The great power of the Creator we can access. Just that thought should hold great power with us. How much more when we pray as God's faithful people. In this case, in Acts 4, God gave them all they needed to carry out His work and to speak the Word of God with boldness against governmental threats. And as they accepted God's answer, verse 32 specifies a result. Those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to Him was His own. They came together. Great power can be unleashed when we pray individually and as a group. Here are people who recognize their own limitations in coping with a powerful array of human force. The Jewish authorities combined with the Gentiles and then later the Roman authorities. These people recognize their own limitations in coping with this vast array of human force. No wonder they addressed God as the one who made heaven and the sea and all that is in them. How wonderful it was to access God whose power was vastly greater than all the Roman Empire and the Jewish council combined. Having reminded themselves of God's great power, they prayed that they might not be intimidated by their adversaries, but that they might speak God's word boldly. And following their prayer, they spoke the word of God with boldness. Let's listen again to them, as reported by Luke in Acts 4.23. When they were released... They went to their friends and reported what the chief priest and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His anointed. For truly, in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, 
The place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Consider the enormity, the immense threat of the Jewish authorities combined with the Gentile authorities these Christians face. Then add to that, this may be the most significant thing I thought about in restudying this, add to that, that these people have been Christians only a short time. Now let me remind us they were of one heart and one mind in their dependence on God, but they didn't have years and years and years of experience. There was an amazing absence of self-concern. They wanted the gospel to be delivered to the lost. They wanted God to be glorified. They wanted to be certain they were acting as disciples of Christ against the threat of these powerful rulers in the world. They prayed with one voice to God, showing their unity with their beleaguered colleagues. All of that came together in prayer. May it be so with us.